Once upon a time, in a land far, far away, at least from where I am now, there met two men who were given a great, great task and were touched by destiny. Adventures awaited them along the way, obstacles had to be overcome, challenges be given and accepted. All the way never forgetting their task. Which task that is, you may be thinking? Well, it is one of the greatest a person can be given. It is to spread knowledge across the globe. Knowledge about the still as well as the magically moving picture. To enable all sentient beings to capture magical moments, tragic <laughs> moments and moments which their meaning can only be deciphered by the taker. Hmm? Not being any less worthy though. And so the world watches and listens to the wisdom which only now comes to fruition by adding the third knight who now completes the magical triangle of exposure. I saw aperture shutter speed. So gather around people and listen to their greatest latest news. May it be around the fire, may it be in a bar, or in a stinky subway. Tune into the Petapixel Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Petapixel Podcast. My name is Jaren Schneider. I'm joined by my friends Chris Nichols, Jordan Drake, and a special extra friend this week. It's Gordon Lang. <laughs> I'm a big very fan. very happy to have him. We're look big at the fans four tiles. of Gordon. It's like the Brady Bunch right now. It's great. We yeah. all look at each other. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've brought Gordon in because this is the final episode of, of what I'm calling season one of the podcast. We're going to be doing our bold predictions for 2024 uh, camera equipment stuff. Uh, but before we get into all of that, I wanted to mention, I don't think uh, Chris or Jordan actually knows this. We are what bearing down on a million listens to the podcast yes. already. So like, I'm really grateful that everyone likes the podcast. Uh, I'm very happy that we've been relatively successful in the first, uh, first chunk of episodes. So thank you everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, nice. Last thing, and this is entirely my fault, but at the end of last episode, uh, I made the last comment sound like the only person that they wanted to hear from was Jordan's personal project. Yes, you did. Um, so quickly, Chris, do you have any personal projects that you have been working on that you want to share? Oh, I didn't know you were going to spring it on me like that. I was I, just, I, yeah, I was, yeah. I was just totally disappointed. I believe even after the credits, I was like, I think he wanted to hear from all oh, of yeah. us. I don't yeah. think, yeah, you guys uh, called me out pretty quick on that. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. No. Uh, anyways, I'm not bitter. Um, do I have any personal <laughs> photo projects? I don't have time to take photos. I'm into Gundam now. That's all I do. <laughs> That's all I want to do. My personal photo project for 2024 is to just take pictures of Gunpla. Okay. Because uh, that seems like the cool thing to do. The last time I had a personal project, it was going to be, it was called um, Nowhere But California. And Ooh. I was doing a time-lapse time lapse video and aerial project where it was like, there's really very few places like at California where you can be surfing in the morning and skiing by the afternoon. Um, so it was, nice. I was doing a lot of landscape stuff and I just never finished it. Um, so Gordon, do you have any personal projects like photo projects, video projects? 
Well, they do kind of blur into the professional side of things, yeah. if you can call any of what I do professional. But my long-term goal at the moment is to source 50 of my favorite vintage digital cameras from the period, very specifically, of 1995 <laughs> to 2005, the period immediately before we all started doing video reviews on YouTube, and basically make video reviews of them all. And I've already begun on my uh, mm. advert uh, alert, my Dynabytes channel. I'm already about 20 cameras in, so I've got about another 30 to do and then at the end i'm gonna hopefully publish a book all about it oh yeah, that's so cool nice. i did not know that was the final plan mm. i will buy that book that sounds fantastic <laughs> I um, love that one sale. that's a guaranteed sale yeah it's tough <laughs> to find photo projects that you can uh, separate from the business like i do find shooting now for petapixel far more creatively stimulating than when, with deep review just because of the way that we shoot the format so, but yeah, it's tough, right? Like, how do you come up with a personal project when you're shooting cameras twice a week, right? That that yes. becomes the personal project. So, it's tough. yeah. But uh, um, all right, before we get into it, I have one more note I want everyone to hear. It's I didn't have a place that I could really easily slot it in to the YouTube version of this podcast. But if you're if you want to hear it, please go listen to the audio only version and just listen mm -hmm. to the first two minutes. Uh, if you've been following <laughs> the podcast, Andreas, uh, who is a listener from uh, Europe, who got a phase one camera as a gift. Uh, Chris, I believe it was Chris, who said he would happily listen to Andreas's voice and would love him to read him a lullaby. Uh, Andreas did. took you seriously <laughs> and produced. It wasn't just him read; he straight up wrote an original script and added. There's sound a score. Effects. It's incredible. Oh, man. Uh, it will. It'll be our intro. On he the created audio -only a lullaby. Side. It's not like a classic Austrian lullaby or something he created. No. One. Okay. So I sent oh, it man. to you both. Clearly, Chris, he haven't listened to it yet. I Jordan to heard it. Dude, it's great. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to listen to it. So it'll be there. Andreas, thank you very much for sharing that. And those of you who, have, who don't listen to the audio only, now's your chance to go check us out on any of your favorite podcasting networks. Okay. With that said, to bed every night. longest intro ever. <laughs> Let's get, get to it. it. All right, thanks again to our podcast sponsor, OM System. Get ready to embrace winter with the incredible deals on OM System products. Right now, OM System is offering an unbeatable seasonal offer you won't want to miss. Purchase the EM10 Mark IV body and receive the EMS Wico 14-42mm 2R lens at no extra charge. Originally priced at about $1,000 US, it's now available for just $699.99. That's a fantastic $300 in savings. You guys familiar with this setup? Yeah, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. the EM10, just beautiful, small, little compact body. Yeah, really good know, looking. Yeah, I know Gordon's into the small cameras as well. Uh, I like them. I haven't got anything to prove. <laughs> 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 What's your implication? <laughs> 
Um, You're very secure. Yeah, I am. I got a bit defensive, a bit fast. That escalated quickly. <laughs> <You did. laughs> uh, so the EM10 Mark IV, Gordon, do you have any notes you want to mention about that? Why anyone might want to be excited about that camera? Do you know, I think the best thing about the, one of my favorite things about the Olympus cameras, everyone goes on about, you know, the um, the the looks and the controls and the, the models which have IBIS, you know, with the stabilization in those ones. But for me, it's about the JPEG straight out of camera. As you can see with my uh, book behind me, they just produce really nice images with very little work. And, and there's a lot to be said for that. You know, why spend hours? I mean, if you love spending hours in Photoshop and Lightroom, knock yourself out. But if you don't, get yourself a camera that produces lovely images with, with minimal effort. And that's one of them. I, you know, just show anyone listening, that was not scripted. I have now learned something uh, from Gordon. But uh, for those of you who are interested in checking this camera out yourself, time is ticking. December 17th is the last day to place orders to ensure delivery in time for Christmas. Don't let this opportunity slip through your fingers. Capture your holiday moments with OM Systems incredible gear at this at the season's best savings. Visit explore.omsystem.com slash petapixel or visit an authorized retailer today and make this festive season picture perfect with OM System. Thanks again to OM System for sponsoring the Petapixel podcast. Okay. Before we get into our bold predictions, let's talk about the last week in news. Uh, this one is a story that I'm bringing up because I wrote it. This is what I get to do because I I'm yeah, you run the host show. it, you cut it, <laughs> you take it, man, take the reins. So it's been a this has been a project that was several weeks in the works. We were talking to uh, industry experts who did not want to be named specifically uh, because this whole section of the industry is very secretive, but. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sony photographers should be careful which CF Express cards they buy. And the reason being is that Sony requires in its manual that you have at least VPG 200. For anyone hearing that, it's like, I don't know what any of that means. You're not alone. And the fact you don't know what that means is what uh, unscrupulous memory card makers are betting on. They are betting you don't know what your camera needs and what any of those little text things on those cards actually stand for. Without VPG, the camera can't do its highest end video recording. You can't get like 240 frames per second or 120 frames per second or whatever. And that basically VPG stands for video performance guarantee. It means this camera will never drop below X megabytes per second. In this case, 200 or 400. Well, the cameras who the companies who didn't want to pay to make sure that that would happen were just falsely putting in the firmware that it had been certified and then they were just selling it so it'll work in your camera but they were basically unproven so we right. went through and found all that out and there's only a few companies that have been honest the entire time and i just really think it's important that you know what you're buying and unfortunately memory cards are not exciting they're not sexy and nobody knows what most of the stuff means written on them <laughs> and it's very frustrating to try and like dig through all of that hmm. it kind of yeah, betrays a bit of trust in it as well doesn't it because the cameras that do support CF Express, whether type A or type B the implication there is that all of those cards are going to be fast it's like yeah. That that's the point of entry. I've got a camera. I've invested in that card. You know, CF Express is going to be is going to be quick. So to find out that that might not actually be the case would be enormously yeah. disappointing. And it's funny too. It's not like the Sony, for example. A lot of the Sonys require that powerful a memory card, right? It's just you stick with the major brands, you're probably safe. But I remember when we were selling camera store cards, like store oh, cards at the camera store. It was it was like the wild wild west, right? All these numbers. You're like. 
I don't know. It should be okay for 1080. I hope you know it should support 4K. Like it was, it was hard to know. And people were like, why would I spend four hundred dollars for an SD card versus one hundred and twenty dollars for an SD card? And yeah, it was really tough even for us as sales staff to be able to communicate that information accurately. So what did you sell them, Chris? Uh, just the most expensive, no, <laughs> you know, stuff. Well, honestly, it was stuff that we tested and, and I think this is kind of off topic, but it really does pay, especially in, in our line of work, you know, where we're getting different memory cards from different brands. You've probably found like some cameras just don't like some cards, even if they're mm-hmm. speed rated, even if they should work, they just don't like it. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, there's no definitive guide to make it easy. So articles like this are always valuable. Do you know, one tip is if you are having problems with a memory card in your camera, uh, make sure you've copied all the images off it, but then format it in the camera that you're going to be using it. Because this may not affect anyone other than camera reviewers, but I know that we are constantly swapping systems, constantly trying new cameras. And it's very easy to just pick up a card, pop it in and go, this isn't quite performing as it should be. And in the case I found actually with a lot of Fujifilm cameras, they do not like cards that have been formatted elsewhere. And a lot of problems can be resolved straight away by doing that. So uh, always practice safe insertion of SD media. Nice. (laughs) So one last note on SD and uh, CF. These are two separate organizations, the Compact Flash Association and the uh, Secure Digital, I believe, uh, association. SD cards only required that the company making the cards said it was cool, that it was all (laughs) internal. If you had if you tested internally and you passed whatever ratings they had, thumbs up, you can put that rating on the card. What the CFA wanted to do was actually like test it independently to make sure that these companies were not lying. And that's what these little things mean. And I think some companies have responded poorly to that and therefore decide they don't need to, to do that in order to charge less for their cards. And so they, they are still trying to do it internally as if that's fine. Right. Um, they may still work, but it's a matter of do you want to reward someone for basically lying to you and lying to your camera? That's where, <laughs> what it really comes down to. So yeah, that's not a healthy relationship. It really isn't. It really isn't. Um, guys, why do you think we haven't gotten a really cool, fully functional underwater drone with a cool camera? What? Wh- why? Why haven't we gotten one? Because we have a new drone out there now that has some. It's really neat. It's fully modular. You can replace all the parts, but the camera is just terrible, and that makes me sad. It's because they don't want you to find out what's down there. Yeah. <laughs> That's Isn't what that it is. It? Yeah. We're taking them at piles, their word. Piles and piles of garbage. Can you even see underwater? I mean, like in the, the nowhere that I could use it around the, the UK coast. It's, the visibility yeah. is about it's three feet. cloudy. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when, I just in like, pool? when I was in Jamaica, the water there is like crystal clear though. So if you go to like some areas in the Pacific. Some oh, areas of course. In the it's a holiday product though, isn't it? It's a holiday product yeah. from those lucky people who live, you know, well, off think the coast of it this of way. Egypt, we sell or... drones and some people, I couldn't fly my drone basically anywhere in California without, uh, like there's too many rules. And then you, yeah, mm-hmm. you can't fly one in New York, but you can still buy a drone. So you just go somewhere else. That's what I, I would argue here. If you want to go do some underwater work, you can go find something you I can mean, shoot. I would, I, would ar- I would only get it. I would only get it if uh, when the when the underwater drone came back to the surface, it in the kind of classic reference to the spy who loved me, the window came down and somebody reached out <laughs> an arm and dropped a fish out the window. That's the only <laughs> circumstance I would get one. And then it grew wheels and it drove onto land exactly and then it had right. machine guns and it looked like an Aston Martin. I, and then yeah, somebody who really. sat there with a bottle of uh, whatever it is of hooch on the beach sort of looks at it and goes, I'm not drinking any more of that. Man, I, you know, I mean, arguably, I would say obviously flying a drone in the air is more fun 
just, just from that aspect, you know, the three-dimensionally yeah. of it. I'm arguing that I'm sure some people are now like, how dare you? Underwater is the greatest phase. James phase Cameron of is furious. Ever yeah. Explore. yeah, he's really <laughs> mad at me right now. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, as Gordon said, it's hard to find water that supports it. Um, I, it is strange, though. This is not an affordable drone. And I should say, I don't think any underwater drones are actually economically affordable. I mean, even no. the cheap ones are not cheap. So you got to be tethered. There's only so far you can go with it. Water visibility is going to be a big deal. I would obviously love to test one for, you know, fishing purposes. We, we talked about that. We're looking at trying to get an underwater drone. But most of them are like made for cinematic use. And therefore, yes. they have expensive price tags, lots of limitations on who can even operate it. Yeah, difficult to um, operate. Yeah, you know, uh, you could say also that if you lose one underwater, it's it's even less recoverable than say, you know, uh, uh, one in the air. You can you know, if it gets flooded, it's not like you can just replace the blades and keep going, right? Like yeah. it's done for yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, it's it's uh it's funny. They should put better cameras in it though. I'm surprised they don't for uh, the big publications, and maybe they do like Planet Earth and stuff like that. They must use some like really they, high end it, stuff. Yeah, either that or custom or like the yeah. the box fish, the Luna box fish, I think is what it's called. Jordan, yep. that was the one we were interested in. Those yeah. are just r- remarkably expensive when like yeah. compared to even though this was is very expensive. I think it's like $7,500. That seems like a lot. That's cheap compared to like the Luna box fish, which is going to be in the tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And it's primarily a rental unit. Like um, this has been kind of a campaign because 10 years ago at NAB, uh, someone had a drone that would fly and then you could land it in the water and Mm -hmm. use it as an underwater drone. And I was like, that sounds amazing. The second that thing is ready, send it to us for the camera store TV. It was that long ago and we will test the (laughs) hell out of it. And I'm still waiting for an opportunity to actually really test an underwater one. Like the Luna is really interesting, but it's primarily a rental unit for film production. It's just a housing for you to slap an A7S three into with a 24 millimeter lens. Like it's a very specific setup. Certainly world's better than um, the one on that uh, was reviewed there but it's it's yeah it's not something that's approachable and i'd love to see that i think it would be cool to just go explore like you know some of the clear lakes in british columbia and stuff will be a lot of fun just make it easy i don't think the creative market's there yet i think a lot of people are still purchasing these for uh you know industrial purposes it's entirely what it's for yeah yeah, research or checking for well it's because nobody's giving us anything like also like we talked about this like several weeks ago where we don't we're not even getting a good underwater handheld camera to use like we're still using like just these they're they're rugged and all but the the image quality is just not fantastic so it's just like i want a good underwater camera dang it nikon one the waterproof one bring it back i'm gonna go on this campaign every week until (laughs) Until they bring it back. Someone in the comments said they did have one. So, yeah, maybe it'd be fun to do a retrospective on those cameras. You mean mean the 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 one with the one inch sensor? Yeah, the one inch sensor, interchangeable lens. They only made like I reviewed it. Yeah. The one, the test sample that I had, I can't speak for all of them. The one that I had did have some issues involving water which was a shame oh, for a underwater camera. <laughs> so they never, I don't think they ever folded it up, but it was a shame because, you know, as you, as you know, all of the action cameras or waterproof cameras, the ones that are, are built, have with built-in housings, they've all got small sensors. And if you want to yeah. get a bigger sensor underwater, you generally have to get a separate housing and yeah. it becomes very, very large and expensive, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't want that. I don't want that. Mm. No. Give me a big yeah. sensor without all the work. I want to know, Chris, if you had an underwater drone, wouldn't that frighten the fish away? Would they like that? 
Uh, no, I mean, you know, you, you put it down there and you just kind of like leave it there for a while. I mean, they're tethered, right? Which is nice. Yeah. So they still need He'd make it like but... a four foot fly. He'd just cover it in yeah. like fur yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So Could it, it have an like automatic tickler? Yeah. Could it I would just paint them? it like a fish, right? And then they would just try to mate with it and they would just spawn on the- on And the, the footage would be incredible. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> it would just be a, a sex tape, underwater sex tape. It'd be great. So that is, This, is, no, this I, conversation is not going where I thought it was going to go. No, but I mean- Only fish fans- I'd love to pop it into the river and like look for different structure. And so I think that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, not yet. Not yet. Uh, all right. Not for $7,500. Some people may be surprised by this. Gordon, you weren't. You, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely that. But we've got some math that's finally like the, the numbers. If you want to go see exactly how we got to these numbers, you can go check out the link in the description below to the story on Petapixel. But we now know that for sure that Instax makes up more than half of Fujifilm's entire imaging <laughs> business annually. And they are investing even heavier into that, I think with the goal to get it well above 60, 65% of their total income from imaging, wow. which yeah. is just insane to me. So Jaron, does that include medical imaging or are we just talking consumer imaging? So their imaging business is difficult to parse. I think it depends on where they've filed it because they do have a healthcare division now. Mm -hmm. um, and I beauty. believe it's... Um, what was that, Jordan? And like beauty cosmetic side as well that's lumped mm. in there as well, um, which I makes it tricky. I th think it's consumer imaging only, mm. but that would make sense. That's still a yeah. lot of a lot of stuff, and most people know. Well, I guess I guess not. Any, I, this is wrong. I thought most people knew Fujifilm for like their digital cameras, but incorrect. Most people know them for their Instax cameras and yeah. Instax film. Well, and I can see why it's so profitable because my son is having fun with a Fuji PAL, which is a little digital camera that spits out to the Instax printers. And we are just going through, like, we will be bankrupt oh, yeah. within weeks if this continues. And that we have no. to find a new hobby for him immediately. Um, I think he's actually, it should be up by the time this is published. He made a little video on the Camera Store channel talking about it. So you can they're, they're see my son do some presenting. <laughs> Their timing you know, was great because it was right when Polaroid was starting to go under, right? Like Polaroid was really starting yeah. to disappear and they just came in. And I was, I was actually watching a movie from like the early 2000s uh, and uh, it was cute. Someone was taking Polaroid shots and then scratching on the actual shot, you know, like drawing pictures or writing stuff like you used to be able to. I don't know if you could do that with Fuji Instax, but I was like, oh, yeah, this used to be like really cool stuff. Like this was a big deal. And I, I never found it very interesting, personally. It wasn't my thing, but I was always amazed how Fuji really took off and kept going. I think the interesting thing uh, for me, though, is that when I speak to people who are using them or want to get one or are getting one, they all refer to them as Polaroids. It's yeah. become yeah, right. so ingrained. It's like, I mean, I don't know if this is the case uh, anywhere else in the world, but um, vacuum cleaners uh, were dominated in, in the UK by the Hoover brand. So people uh, talk, still talk today about, I'm going to Hoover the floor. Yeah. Right, or yeah. they're going to use a, uh, a floating lawnmower. They go, I'm, I'm going to fly mow. Um, <laughs> and it's the same with, with Polaroid. An instant, it's become synonymous with it. And I know it does understandably wind up uh, Fujifilm when people go, oh, I've got one of your <laughs> Polaroid cameras. But at the same time, they're like, well, ka-ching, you know. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter to Fuji as long as you're, you're spitting out the money. Yeah, exactly but, right. I guess here's my question. Do you know people who buy Fuji Instax and then actually, other than Jordan's kid, use it? regularly like i know a lot of people it's like a great christmas gift you know you yeah. shoot some stuff with your friends and then you kind of throw it away but like are people actively doing it creatively on a regular basis 
Well, I see. Or is it just a lot of teenager Christmas presents? I think a lot of them are given as gifts because the key thing about the, I think the success of the system is the price of say a mini 11 or a mini 12 that they are in two figures and there's not a lot of new photo based gifts that are in two figures. Yeah. So if you, if you've got someone who's into photography and you say, look, oh, I want one, I'm going to get them for Christmas or their birthday and Hey, this is, it's actually a new product, not a used product. You know, you don't have to go on eBay or anything for it. 70, $80 or pounds. That's quite tempting. And then you buy it, you see the, the kind of cost of it and maybe you don't use it as much as as you thought um but i've been lucky enough to live in two very touristy locations in the world years ago i was in queenstown new zealand and now i'm in brighton in the uk where a lot of tourists come and it's quite interesting to just hang out in the touristy areas and see what people are photographing with right and i do see some instax cameras but not enough it's not the, it doesn't match. I've never seen the volume that would imply the, the figures that we keep hearing it's about. It's clearly there. And they've said that like the, the mm. margins that they have are the largest yeah, of huge. any of their products, like mm. 20% yeah. margin on the film stuff. So like, and on top of that, they're expanding their film develop, like their film making facilities in Japan twice over. Like it's like yeah. they're clearly selling Instax film. And they also have to remember there are a lot of like uh, DIY or third party brands who mm. will lean yeah. on Fujifilm Instax yeah, film take to the use film. their yeah. stuff. So like I assume I think it's all, all, they, all they need to do is release a new wide camera if they want to grow that business. I mean, it's like every time they release a new mini or a new square, everybody says, what, what about a new wide? I mean, there was a, yeah. a newish wide printer, but this, the, the wide camera is so old now. We need a new wide camera. Oh, I'm sure you're going to get one. I'm sure you're <laughs> you'd think so. You'd think Fuji so. Fujifilm will happily sell you any number of Instax products. There are so many now. So I, yeah, I would not, <laughs> I would be shocked if they just never went back to that. Yeah. Um, okay, that was the news. Let's, Let's get, get into bold. the main story. So this <laughs> is a uh, kind of an offshoot of something that I'd been doing at Petapixel for the past few years, which was the bold predictions for the following year. What right. do you think? And these aren't just like, what do you think will happen necessarily? It's also like, take, take a big stab at something. What, it can't be bold if it's obvious. So uh, oh. you, you may try and do yours, and you will leave it to the audience to decide if you were bold enough with your predictions. And I think uh, we'll have a bit of a back and forth on our predictions, yays or nays. And, you know, yeah, and agree, after each, we we're going to go in a, in a row here. We each have four predictions we're going to bring in. And then uh, after each person says theirs, we'll agree or not if we think that'll happen. Um, also, for those of you who would like to see the full Petapixel bold predictions, there will be a link in the description below to that. And we go over the ones that we predicted last year to see how accurate we were going into 2023. <laughs> so uh, with that in mind, Gordon, why don't we well, lead off with you? Well, I, I fear I misunderstood you, Jaron. I thought you said bold predictions. So <laughs> I, oh. I, this, this is for the people watching the video. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that. Okay, my first one. Right, so as we all know, Sony released the A93 a couple of weeks ago with the first global shutter sensor camera that's full frame and also CMOS. You know, there are also, you know, global shutter cameras elsewhere. But it's the first one that was full frame CMOS. And it was a high-end camera and it did a lot. And I think the expectation for next year, for 2024, is that we're going to see more global shutter cameras. Well, my bold prediction is that we won't. And do you want to know why? Yeah, all right. <laughs> Luckily, I've thought about this a bit. 
the first the first is that if you look at the next step back now sony's global shutter sensor does employ a stacked technology design the manufacturing is stacked um but if we look at previous models like the uh, a92 the a91 the alpha one uh the canon eos r3 fujifilm xh2s i think the om1 as well from um olympus om systems they have stacked sensors not global shutter just normal stack sensors and they're still very expensive they're still very specialist people can't people can appreciate what they do but they can't afford them or they don't quite need them we've not mm. seen the technology below global shutter hit the mainstream so it's nowhere near it's nowhere near i think we'll see it on smaller sensors maybe on some high-end phones or maybe even action or vlogging cameras but not on big sensor cameras so price is a big reason but i think one of the other reasons is a technical one and it's Sony don't muck about when they're making sensors, right? They are leaders in that. Whatever you think of that company, they are absolute leaders in electronics and sensor innovation. And they have only been able to make, as far as we know, a 24 megapixel sensor with questionable dynamic range. We don't know what it is yet on the A93. And I think the fact that they, during their presentation, didn't boldly say this has got 13 stops or 14 stops of DR means that maybe it won't be as good as some of their more conventional sensors. So if you're looking at, a future camera, a future high-end camera, and you're looking at image quality, there are many different factors that you can look at. And skewing through rolling shutter is only one of them. I think for most people, the two most important factors are resolution and dynamic range and, and noise as well. And if they are currently questionable on global shutters, then what I think we're going to see in other high-end cameras in 2024, and by that, I mean models like the fabled Canon EOS R1, and uh, a future Alpha One successor are going to be stacked designs, not global mm -hmm. shutter. They're going to be faster than the previous ones, but they're not going to be global. And the reason for that is that people are going to demand more than 24 megapixels. They're going to want decent dynamic range, decent all-round performance. I think since the R3 and the A93 already do 24 megapixels, then an R1 and an Alpha 1 Mark II or an Alpha 2, whatever they call it, they're going to have to be up at the 45, 50 megapixel mark. And I don't think they can do that with Global Shutter yet. They will in the future if there's demand, I'm sure, but I don't think they can affordably do it now. So that is my bold prediction that models like the Canon EOS R1 are going to be super fast, but they're not going to be global. Mm. Who agrees? Disagree. Well, I, I'm going to agree. I have I, I have to disagree because that's one of my... I mean, I, I understood these predictions not to be old or gold, but to be bold. So, But yeah, I totally agree. But my prediction is I completely disagree with you. Yeah, Spoiler. We'll get, we'll get to Chris's <laughs> response to that. But I also disagree, and I will get into why after Chris gives his All bold right. prediction. But Chris is third. So we'll get back to that. I like that prediction, Gordon. It is extremely bold. It's not probably bald. accurate. Bold. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jordan, you're up next. What do you think is going to happen next year? I think Panasonic is going to kill the S1, S1R line. I think a lot of people are waiting for an update on those. I think they're going to recognize the two cameras in their S-mount that are doing well. Uh, previously, it was the S1H. Uh, I think that is going to see a replacement this year would make perfect sense. Uh, a lot of people are just grabbing S5Ts uh, instead of that camera because it is quite long in the tooth. Um, and then I think they're going to focus on the smaller, less expensive S5 line, which means they don't have a higher-end photo camera. I think they're going to release one flagship 
photo camera as well. Maybe at the same time as the S2H. So it'll be, yeah, yeah, S2H and then like a big, probably stacked sensor uh, camera, um, but not the same body design and not in the same price range as the S1 uh, and the S1R. Before we vote, so if they're going to not have S1 or S1R, what would they even call that? Uh, I think they're going to make an S2S for super for photography. The video one S2H makes perfect sense. And then carry on in like an S10. I think they're going to make like a super budget um, L mount camera. I think they'll Uh, just call it an S2. But you agree. S2 and S2H. we, We all agree. Even if they oh, yeah. do, even if they do that, I think it's going to be a totally new price and design mm-hmm. from the S1, S1R series bodies. It makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, they have to put phase detect now in all of their cameras. It totally makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I will agree with that too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Full agreement. Chris, I moved yours around so you can get to the yeah. one that's about Gordon's first. Obviously, so. I got to talk then. Yeah. I think Canon will make a full frame global. I don't, but I'm saying this because we're supposed to make you bold don't. predictions. So. I, of course not. But I, you know, I'm going to say that Canon's going to make a full-frame global shutter camera for the Olympics. I mean, they got to do something for the Olympics. Deep down, I totally agree with Gordon. It's probably going to be a high-speed stack sensor. But my bold prediction is it will be global, and everybody will be like, oh, Canon can't do it. And then they'll come out and they'll do it, and everybody will be like, wow, we were wrong. And the sensor probably won't be that good, but everybody will be like, <laughs> still, we were wrong. That is fascinating because I agree with you, but I actually believe what you're saying. As opposed to what oh, you just really, did. yes, oh, you're crazy. Okay, guys. Oh, okay. I mean, so Chris and, and Jordan and Gordon clearly don't. I just realized that your alter ego is also Gordon. Jordan, uh, <laughs> it's Jordan, confusing. Gordon. <laughs> Very confusing. So the, all three of you actually don't believe your, this prediction that Chris has, even though it's Chris's prediction. Yes, because I'm trying I to think be bold. Correct. I think there is one clue that that Chris may be correct, right? And this is the only circumstance. And it's a very exciting one, which is the reason Sony came out so early with the A93, um, not just an announcement. It wasn't a technology announcement. It was like, here it is. Go out and use it, yeah. you know? And it was like, wow, this is really early to, you know, we've seen, mm-hmm. you know, little announcements before, but this was go out and actually use it. Um, I think it, what if it was because they got wind of the fact that Canon have not only got a global sensor for the global shutter sensor for the R1, but it's like 45 megapixels. And they were like, oh no, ours is only 24. We've got to get it out now. Talk so, about it now. Because in three months, no one will talk about it. Correct. So, <laughs> so this, this is, we can get into it more because I will take this now. This is my bold prediction. I agree. Uh, it's all kind of related to this. I do think that they do have a global shutter sensor. I do think that the reason we haven't seen it, and I've, I had been getting some reports from some of my sources for a couple of years now, that Canon actually has been ready with this for at least a year, the sensor part. Um, hmm. I only had heard that they were struggling with something and they couldn't, I wasn't getting specifics. And then when I saw what the Alpha 9 three was doing, I was like, I now know what the problem was. It's throughput. Canon has not been particularly great with their surrounding software and their cameras. processors. The are processors real really, I bet they were yeah. struggling with trying to find a way to get the data off the sensor in a way that made sense. And so it put them back a year. And that's why I think that we haven't seen it yet. I also think that the reason Sony was so far ahead was because they're trying to take the thunder from Canon, which they successfully did. And I have some sourcing that tells me that Canon was extremely disappointed and upset when Sony did this, which tells See, you me got, you got all the, I know you got people. all the, 
I know you things. got all the hookups. You got I all drink the back- and I know things. Uh, <laughs> you got all the backdoor hookups. Yeah. So my bold prediction here is that unlike what Gordon just said, I do not think this will be a high resolution sensor. I, I actually don't, don't think so- Canon will release a high resolution sensor next year. And I don't think they'll perhaps do it ever. I don't think we will see something beyond 50 megapixels from Canon. End of sentence. I wow. think they can't do it well enough. I it's think it's 2057 and Canon still Canon's has a still 45 like, yeah. megapixel. And they're like, damn one. you, Jaron Schneider. Uh, that's <laughs> you, my prediction. You 80 year old bastard, you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that we will get somewhere in the 20s, maybe 30, maybe out of their R1. Both. In the R1. And the coming out reason- for the, the Olympics, you heard it here. Yeah. This is another thing that I think is I don't believe that the R3 was supposed to be an R3. I think that was supposed to be the R1 and they mm. chickened out on the name because it wasn't high mm. enough resolution. So it will beat the R3 on resolution, but it won't be very high. I thought that as well, Jaron, but the 1DX Mark III was only 20 megapixels. Yeah, that was big for and the that, time. And that, and that got a number one. That's that got the number one in the series. Yep. What the 1DX yeah. Mark III or two or any of that series has that none of the other ones have yet, and there are people who are really passionate about this, is that absolute bulletproof, drop it on your foot, go to hospital, build quality. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The R3, I think it's perfect build-wise. I love that. Love They've got too. the built-in grip, yeah. but it's a bit smaller. I love that. I think yeah. that's perfect. But I would not be surprised if a future R1 is chunkier, it's bigger, it's mm. somehow tougher. And don't forget their amazing viewfinder eye tracking mechanism. Now, if these it works things, for you. Well, it, these things never worked for me, but it worked for me brilliantly. I thought it yeah, was- Yeah, it did. Absolutely too, groundbrakingly good. Apparently, it didn't um, work because it can tell who's like good at heart. It's like a, I think they. Like I think you've got to be committed thing. to your art as a photographer, and if it doesn't <laughs> sense that, if it doesn't recognize it, it's like this isn't wow. for you. This guy's a little wishy washy. That's good. Yeah. Come All back right. when you when you're more in it. Sorry, right, Gordon. What's your next one? That kicked us out of every canon conversation we were going to have for this. All four <laughs> of us are done, basically. So, Gordon, we're yeah. ba- looping back. So, do you guys? Do, yeah, yeah. We've already basically figured. Do, I want to ask you guys: Do you think that Canon will ever release a high resolution camera again? Do you guys agree with? Me? I think they will. Yes, they I, yes. that's so, that's too bold. You guys don't too bold. We All disagree. Right, bold. Yeah. All right, Jor- uh, uh, Gordon. What do you got? Okay, um, my bold prediction is to do with the Fujifilm X100 series. And mm. it's not that a successor is coming because, of course, it has to come. It has to come in 2024. There has to be one. What it will have is a, is another question. In fact, I've just made a video about that, which you might enjoy because I've been using that camera as my main travel camera for the past two years. But that's not my bold prediction. My bold prediction is that following the enormous demand and success of the X100V, not a single other camera company will bother making another premium compact off the back Mm. of it, which to me is a huge disappointment and missed opportunity. Now, I don't know the numbers. All I can do is go, that looks cool. I want more of that, please, even if it makes the company no money. And I look back at models at the golden era of models like Panasonic's LX100, Mm -hmm. um, Sony's RX1R and RX100 series. It's five years since the RX100 Mark VII five years fujifilm's yeah. own x70 how about that bring that one back um what about uh, the canon g1x you know that was that was pretty cool and in fact nikon was just on the verge just on the verge of bringing out that dl, the DL. With an 18 the to 50 camera. lens yep. oh my yeah. god i was so excited about that and then they were like yeah you know what we're not gonna no, do maybe that not. now 
And I, I'm sure if if the X100V kind of debacle on supply and demand has taught us anything, is that there is a market for premium high-end compacts. And at the moment, the only options are you get an X100V or you get a Leica or you get the Ricoh. Actually, there are a couple. But yeah. I think there should be more. I'd love to see more. But My I, bold I prediction is that there won't be any, though. I disagree you, you with do? that bold prediction. <laughs> I don't I know. I mean, right. I kind of agree with it. You're you're kind of a bummer, Gordon, but I agree with it because it's like you said here, you know, Fujifilm has won this competition and I almost feel like the X100V has become kind of like a Leica camera. It's like, why don't other people try to go into that that mm. realm? And you're kind of like, well, they already can't make enough to supply demand, but everybody's waiting for them. Everybody wants them. Uh, we talked about this a lot too. Like, why doesn't Panasonic come back with some of their luxurious compact cameras? Uh, they were well loved and, and they were adored, but I feel like only Panasonic users would buy them. So I feel like Fujifilm's got this cachet, this mystique about it. Everybody's like, oh, I got to have one. And uh, yeah. That might I, be I, a major reason why is they've got that. I think I'm, Sony will try again. That's why I, I disagree with you. I think Sony another RX one. Hey? I think we'll get an RX one Mark II or an RX two or something like that. I think they will try. I mean, that would be hot. I'm, I'm going to agree with Gordon for this year. I think everyone else is going to be like three years too late. Like in three years, we'll see a glut of companies all releasing <laughs> stuff uh, yes. when Fujifilm has already syndrome. replaced. And yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, can I piggyback on that? I know it's out of order, but I have one directly related to that. Jaron, sure, will you allow this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, appro allowed, I'm approaching the bench. Okay, great. Uh, so I actually think Fujifilm this year is going to release the X100 successor. I don't know what the model number is going to be. They've had it very easy up to the V. Maybe that's what the holdup is. They're like, we don't know what Ooh. to call this thing. I think they're going to release two. I think they're going to do an APS-C replacement and a premium full-frame option. I mean, they're not going to want to bring out a new lens lineup, um, but they could do a single fixed lens and give you an option that really directly competes with Leica, like a $4,000 X1R forever. The exactly. Arcs, uh, yeah. Two. That same yeah. kind of thing, like a $4,000. <laughs> it's way less than a Q3 still um, with a fixed lens. That is my bold prediction bold. for that. That There's is bold, sir. There's some That's evidence bold. to support that, Jordan. There's some stuff coming in through registrations that Fujifilm is working on something with an FF in it. And it being a fixed lens makes some sense. That way they don't have Old. to make more lenses. Mm, FF, Fujifilm fun. I don't yeah. know. I don't I, think so. I, don't, I, I disagree. I would, love, I would love to see it. You know, I don't care what they got in mind. I just want to see more of these types of cameras. I don't think they will produce a full frame one. I think if they're going to do multiple versions, though, mm. they could, it could open up the idea of doing ones. For example, right, I love the technology behind the optical viewfinder in the X100 series, but I never use it. I just switch it to EVF all the time for my own stuff. And there's that haunting idea in the back of your head that one, you're not cool enough for the optical viewfinder, but two, you've paid for this pretty advanced feature that, that it could be considerably cheaper, maybe yeah. simpler to make without it. So maybe they could do two versions, you know, one with the full hybrid two, you know, the two different types of viewfinders and one a sort of simpler version. Or maybe that could be an X70. An X70 yeah, well, I was, I was about to say, I feel like the X70 was too stripped down if they could find a middle ground there with, yeah, like a small EVF on it to keep the body mm. size down and use the same optic. That would make here's, a lot of sense. Here's an but that's not one, my right? bold prediction. How, how about if they, because they're going to have to put in one of the new sensors, uh, if they put in the 40 megapixel sensor, then it gives you more latitude for cropping, which gives you kind of like more ways you could pretend you've got a longer zoom range on it. Um, but that in turn could allow you to start off with a slightly wider lens to start with. So Chris, instead of having a 35 equivalent, it could start with maybe a 28 equivalent. If you're I would love that. Cropping. 
No, he yeah. which the X70 35. was 28, wasn't it? All I care about is that whatever the X100 successor is, that it doesn't have that stupid 35 millimeter lens equivalent <laughs> in it. That's all I care about. That's I actually all I don't want. think you hate 35 that much, but you've dug yourself into this hole. You have to hate it in order to continue. I've, the I've actually climbed up a hill, and I intend to die on it. <laughs> uh, so I will say that I. Agree, I agree with Jordan yeah. and Gordon disagrees with Jordan. Okay. I disagree I with the full frame model. Yeah. Got it. I okay. Think, I think that's, I'd say at least that's maybe not what they're going to do, but I sure hope they do. That yeah, I hope so. Chris, what do you got? So while we're on the kick of the Olympics, I think Nikon is going to come out with a new high speed sports camera for the Olympics, which is tough because you'd think, oh, they got the Z8, they've got the Z9. Those are both perfectly capable cameras for that. I, I imagine that they're still going to piggyback on the same sensor and platform because it's doing so well for them. I don't know if it's going to be like a Z9 Mark II or a Z8 Mark II or a special or, thing, but I think X what they're going to do... S. They've done yeah, that. They did they yeah. Yeah. yeah, But I think they're going to revamp their autofocusing algorithms. I think that's what they're going to do. I think Nikon is in a position where they're like, we've got great cameras. People are loving us. we got a lot of momentum. What we need to do now is really show that the autofocus can compare with Sony Canon one-to-one in any situation. Luckily, so, they won't have to deal with falling snow during these this Olympics. Yes, because so. that is one of their major issues. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think they want to have some. They don't want to just have Sony's going to make a splash here mm-hmm. at the Olympics for sure. And Canon, as we've predicted, we'll see who's right, might as well. But uh, I think Nikon doesn't want to be alone at that party. They want to they also have something on the table. I'm going to disagree with this one. I think I it'll know. be a lens, not a camera. Mm. I, I also think we're not going to see anything in the high end from Nikon this year. I think they oh, have. You guys are bummers. Yeah. I'm just realistic, man. Gordon, I think their wad is out there already. Their wad. Gordon, yeah, I don't think I don't think we'd see any new camera hardware at that level from them. I think, as Chris said, I think there is an opportunity for them to do something software-wise. Um, that would be a, a nice like gesture. A fifth or the sixth firmware update for the Z9. Yeah, yeah, but you know, they're actually actively market it as a new model. Yeah. Like an S model or an X. What about forcing you to sign up for a new service and charging you 150 bucks to install it? Nobody does. Nobody would charge you 150 dollars for one firmware feature. Who would do that? Uh, I could show you some frame lines in a Nikon (laughs) high-speed camera. So my prediction, my second one for next year, is that Sigma's full-frame Foveon sensor will come next year or never. This is it. Make or break. Big on never. You're really big on never this because time. it's yeah. very at this point spending money is difficult. If, if Sigma has poured so much into this camera that if yeah. they can't get it right and start recouping this year, there's no point. They've already had to rebuild that thing from scratch yeah. once. So I just I just if we don't see it this year, it's never coming. I'd be so curious to know just like the books and the budgeting and the actual like Sigma's whole endeavor for their actual camera cameras, have they ever made money or how much have they lost? I really, I'm very curious. I want to know what what the fruition is of all of their plans for cameras over the years. I just want to know, like if they release it, how can they make the body a confusing monstrosity to look at? Like I'm just, every time I'm like, that is a really bizarre, unconventional design for a body. So I'm hoping they keep the streak alive. Or Uh, just a box, just a box. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They could do that. Those are their two options. They've got plenty of boxes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I just think they're, things have moved on so much that just like, like uh, Richard and even Jim Casson, uh, a previous guest, has been writing about how like just brute force Bayer sensors, you know, just throw more pixels yeah. at them, and you really start 
seeing the Fovian advantages disappear and their disadvantages are well known. Like they were really terrible in low light, those cameras. You basically only shot them at base ISO. And even then DR wasn't great, but they were incredibly detailed images. Um, And energy hogs. And now we've got 60 megapixel, you know, backside illuminated CMOS sensors. I think people who really want Resolution are just going to go that route, even though, so, yes, you are interpolating. Are you agreeing I think with me, dead. Jordan? I Phobia don't think dead. it's going to happen. So I guess, yes, I am agreeing with you, Jared. At least the second. Yeah. Okay, Chris, the second do you half agree? Of it. Yeah, but again, you kind of covered both bases. Yeah, I think it's not going to happen at all. Got I think it. It's and Gordon? I don't think it's going to happen, but I did have an idea that when I'm reviewing all these vintage cameras, there's so much kind of unicorny opinion on CCD sensors, for example. Mm-hmm. People seem to believe, incorrectly or correctly, that they produce some sort of magical output. <laughs> it's certainly a bit different, okay? Um, so I think maybe what they could do is go back to those really early Fovian sensors, which were pretty cool and quite fun, and make a really funky vintage-style compact camera and um, and sell that, you know, as if they're as if they're selling a fifteen year old uh, product. You know, why not do that? I think that would be. I, I think I might actually buy that. <laughs> it um, doesn't have to be fifty megapixel. Then it could yeah. be just three or yeah. six. Do you know oh, what I mean? Because it's six. it's it's old, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just fun and it's different, and the output looks a bit different, which is yeah. what people want. Okay. Some people. Uh, if it Very does important. come out, Jaron, do you think it's going to be a fixed lens or interchangeable lens? Oh, at this point, it, I, I, you would think, you would think they would want to actually sell their L mount versions of their lenses that they continue to make and sell. So, based on that alone, I'm going to go with interchangeable. But I don't feel good about it. <laughs> I don't. That feels like a real risk for me. All right, let's burn through. Uh, Gordon, what do you got next? You got one. Uh, your last. Uh, your second to last one. Yes, also known as the third. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I'm gonna. I once came um, second in a competition, and I was uh, crowing about it until somebody pointed out there were only two entrants, and I was also <laughs> last. So my third bold prediction builds on on Sigma actually, which is that they are the secret weapon of uh, of the L mount system. And my prediction is that more people are going to realize that, for example, Lumix S cameras are really viable contenders against Canon, against Sony, against Nikon, against ev- against everybody. Um, you know, when we look at the feature sets on them and the prices that they can sell them for, I mean, Panasonic are aggressively, they re- they're very keen for this. And yeah. you've got all of those wonderful uh, Sigma full-frame mirrorless lenses, which Canon and Nikon owners would really, want to have i mean anytime i review canon cameras the people go oh i wish the sigma lenses were for it and and as they're saying that you think why didn't you buy a camera then that actually you could mount them on right now today and i know that there's a lot of momentum with these other brands and there's a lot of reasons why you would prefer to go with these other brands you know there's a lot of lot of factors but i just think that hopefully i hope in 2024 that uh, more people will um, consider Lumix S. And building on what Jordan also said, I think almost certainly there will be a new higher-end product. I think it'll be an S2. I think it'll be a higher-resolution product in a, in a new body, in a high-end body. I'll agree with that. Yeah, uh, I agree too. I think the primary motivation, though, is going to be people who still want a strong hybrid camera. I, I think that's which is a lot of be, people. Which is a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to agree I, the as well. The system deserves more users, for sure. 
Uh, do we think anyone else will join the Elmount Alliance this year? Oh, yeah. They added like five this year. Of course they'll add more. Of course See, they'll add I, more. My, my uh, crossed off, one of my bold predictions was that Tamron would join Elmount. Uh, so I'm curious. Right. Mm. I don't know if they'll... I'm surprised they haven't already. It's odd to me because... Maybe they would. I don't know. The relationship between Tamron and Sigma has always been weird. Like, they never talk about each other. Have you noticed that? They never they never yeah, compare their yeah. lenses to each other. It's always to a first party. They it's were like they, and it's only they been were decades. former lovers. <laughs> it was a horrible breakup. And now yeah, they, they just, just refuse to uh, even go back into that dark abyss period of their lives. Right. Pretend yeah. the other doesn't exist. Like yeah. it's very odd. I, ooh, I I wish you had to use that one. Anyway, you don't get to use that one. I'm not gonna respond Damn. to it. What okay. what is your good one? What is uh, your uh, third? Uh, my third is um, I think we're going to see Nikon branded stuff start to pop up in the smartphone. One of the Chinese phone manufacturers will pay for that license to have Nikkor lenses um, on them with Nikon color profiles. Same thing that we've done with seen with Leica, with Hasselblad. I think the name has enough cachet uh, that that would be worthwhile. And, you know, Nikon's a small company. Any place they can grab some extra Hmm. Uh, money for R&D. I think they'll latch on to it. Now they're on a bit of a roll. So that is my prediction. Why are you saying that? What made you say that? Well, I was thinking which ones haven't we seen yet? Because obviously we've seen Leica brand at Hasselblad. Canon would never do it. Um, so who are we left with then? I don't think we'd see really? Fujin on. It, it is just you thinking, hmm, we should get another kid. There's nothing else. Because I've got information that oh. could argue both ways. And I'm tempted to agree with you because of what i know has happened in the past i can't speak to it because it would violate like multiple ndas but after this podcast can you just tell me all your secrets yeah. privately jaron that'd be great yeah. okay cool <laughs> i'm on to something that why aren't but, you telling us your secrets anyways i thought we were a team jeez <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna broadcast them online that'll get me in trouble <laughs> i just i do think that there's something there so i'm gonna go ahead and agree with you wow well, now that's that puts me in a weird position because you Jaren's to, already said you, you were going to say no. So go ahead and say no. I was no. going to say no, and and it's okay. only because like I, it's not that I disagree. I mean, Nikon's a good name, and and I think they're they're absolutely they have an optical heritage that people could bank on. Um, I just feel like Nikon's. I, I never feel like they've done very well with their outside of camera optic division, like binoculars, spotting scopes. I mean, it's always been kind of a rocky road. And uh, but at the same time, they do desperately want to diversify their products. So if you can get some licensing dollars, why not? But now that Jaron says, you know, that well, there's secret spies. If, if it yeah. means anything to you, Chris, there's equal evidence to point to you as well. Like you could go both right. ways here. So, right. Uh, Gordon, well, I'll, I'll be the contrarian and say no. It, Jordan, are you talking about a Nikon branded phone or a phone with a Nikon branded camera? Phone with a Nikon. Uh, you tricked me there with the Nikon branded um, one. Yes. <laughs> you made me Nick. You Is made it me a Nick. Z or a Z series lens? <laughs> but I mean, lens the, the Brits don't say it right either, right? Nobody says it right. It's just, uh, oh, don't get me started. We, we don't, can no, do we a can't, whole podcast Don't get me started. We prefer we not can, to. We can, we're, we're not doing it. <laughs> it's, it's happened before. We're not getting into it. I'm ready for it. Anyway, I've been building up for this. <laughs> anyway, um, I I I think that there is definitely potential for that. For you know, when you look at phones and the camera is such an important part on a phone, and if you can make yours look better or actually be better by forming an alliance with you know an existing respected uh, brand, then why not? I think uh, well, it's been done before. 
and I think it will be uh, done again. I, I, don't, I, would, I wouldn't have popped into my head to suggest Nick on those. So that's an interesting suggestion. Yeah. I mean, why not Zeiss again, right? Why not Voigtland yeah. or, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris? Uh, so my bold prediction for 2024, especially now that we've seen the ZF come out, the ZFC has been successful, uh, OM System with their vintage cameras, I think it's finally time that Pentax is going to release a vintage-inspired DSLR, especially because now that they're a niche company that are making SLR specifically, there's a lot to be said for then having a proper digital SLR that mimics a classic, more compact, sexy camera. I love Pentax cameras. Uh, they're they're beautiful in their own way, but I wouldn't call them necessarily sexy. And I think Pentax is this one company that has legitimate vintage heritage that mm -hmm. they're completely not banking on. So I really think it's time for that K1000 digital or that Emmy Super digital. Definitely. I really think that would be very popular. It's going to work with their extensive line of lenses. You don't have to redo any of that. People are going to love that they can stick all their old stuff right onto this camera body. I'm honestly shocked and amazed they haven't done it yet. You had me and, at Emmy Super. Right? Yes. Yeah. Or, or a digital or LX. So you agree? Digital yeah. LX. You think they're going to yeah, do well, it? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I had an, M, I had an M, ME Super in the 1980s, and, and I switched it for an MX, which is the, the version with the interchangeable focusing screen, because if you're doing Astro, you need to take that out and put in a different one. And I still have it. I have it in the room next door, and I look at it every day and think, as Chris has said, that is a gorgeous-looking camera, yeah. you know, if they could produce a digital version of that. And, I mean, I know you've been talking about, like, the, the Nikon ones. I, the model that I would have preferred Nikon to do was the um, the F3. I wanted. I want to. Yeah, you're wrong, exactly. but I get it. I yeah. want an F3 model, a digital version yeah. of that. But yeah, I would love to see an ME Super or an MX. They look cool. right, Jordan. Mm. I'm going to say it's not going to happen just because they haven't even released a K13 yet, and all they have to do is slap the autofocus and processor from the K33 with a full frame sensor. K33. K33. They haven't done that yet. I think they will eventually. I still think it's a few years out. Uh, I'm actually going to lean on a bold prediction from someone else on the team uh, who said that not only will Pentax not release that 35 millimeter film camera that they said they're working on, but that Rico is going to pull the plug and there will be Oof. no more Pentax cameras at all. Meaning, no, they will not do what you just said, Chris. Now, I don't necessarily Yikes. agree with this, but I think that this is a fun one to contrast with yours, even though it is not an opinion I share. I thought this whole predictions thing was going to be like this uplifting, like look towards the future, but really it's kind of just a big depression fest. Is, well, now if you say it like that, how about this one? Oh. I've got a bold prediction that's quite nice. Um, there we go. One of the first things that we noticed about the uh, Sony A9 III when it came out was that it is not using the most recent CF Express standard, even though it could have. Um, no camera does yet because no camera is new enough to have done it, except for the A9 III. Well, I've got a prediction for you. I think the A9 III will get a firmware update that will allow it to work with CF Express 4.0. Sony will then release a CF Express 4.0 card that only Sony will have made at this point because nobody was really developing for type A like Sony is. And in addition to that, it's going to unlock 240 frame per second still capture. You won't get more buffer, but you will get more pictures in the same amount of time. So instead of 120 in one and a half seconds, you can get 240 in one and a half seconds. Ah, you know, I thought that the 150 whole time. Bucks. You thought that the, the whole time? time? <laughs> yes. The whole time that I was testing the A93, I was like, God damn it, 120 is not fast enough. 
<laughs> I need, <laughs> to realize my vision, I need 240 frames per second. Exactly. I heard so, you yeah, just muttering to yourself true. in the distance about that, Gordon. Like, oh, he's going off about <laughs> oh, the slow yeah. frame rate again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're trying to get a group shot of 80 people and you don't want anybody blinking... You need to have 240 frames so per second. So why this will work is when Canon announces their camera, and it will have some things that are better than the Sony, Sony will then be able to say, ah, but we're not done yet, and kick this in there. Right. And therefore, Ooh. take some more media attention back. I yeah. like it. I Gordon like it likes it. That, I'm gonna I think it's, it's credible. It's credible. It's credible. Yeah. All three yeses. Wow, rare. Mm. Uh, all right, Gordon, your last one. All right. My final bold bold prediction is that uh, people will continue to release vlogging cameras but it's completely pointless because DJI have won that particular battle <laughs> pocket three right why why wouldn't you yeah yeah I mean why wouldn't you although that said if you are more of a person who sticks your camera on a desk and you present to it um, I think there are maybe better or alternative solutions but for, as an all-round especially handheld product yeah I, I just think it's unbeatable and I think they really pulled the rug out of uh, from under a lot of other companies who were like oh uh, whoops that's quite good isn't it but I think they'll still continue to produce like you know of course they will more yeah. more of those lines but I just can't see who would want them agreed I, it's a I thought it was really interesting when i was looking at the lists of our worst cameras how as the manufacturers have like rushed to get these half-baked vlogging cameras out how that's kept that category alive and thriving yeah. for the last four <laughs> years um so i want i actually agree with uh gordon on that and i'm, I'm gonna can i piggyback sure well, yeah, well, wait, before, if you're going to move on to yours, can Chris say if he agrees or disagrees? Well, yeah, I think uh, it's it's one of those industries where you're like, who is buying these cameras? And and when I say that, I, I am coming at it from a very biased perspective because I would never buy that. But that's what I'm curious. It's like the users out there listening, we do get a few people who say, oh, I, I have a ZVE one. I think it's great. How many of you out there have even considered a vlogging camera as a tool where you're like, that might be a good option for me. Like it would tick enough boxes for me that I would buy it. Or do you just go immediately to a different camera, more conventional camera? I'm honestly curious to know like how, how much the market actually is asking for these things. Cause I always feel like the companies are making them and the market's not really asking for them. I think Sony has like done Instax well. cameras. Yeah. I, I think this has a lot to do with the development cycle of a camera. It takes a couple of years to get one out. So even though it doesn't feel like they're popular anymore, they've already invested the time into it. So like they already did it, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Jordan, you may piggyback now. Awesome. So I'm going to go DJI related as well. Uh, we've got the Osmo 3, um, which is actually making pretty good waves. We haven't actually reviewed it. Um I didn't know it was going to be as cool as it was, so I passed on that one. Um, but then uh, they've got that at the base. They've got the Ronin 4D system, which I adore. Um, but that is really competing with like cinema cameras. That's what, like, you know, um, it's a bit giant thing. It will break your back if you use it for any length of time. Um, I really think that we're going to see something in between. Um, I don't know if it's going to be APS-C or full frame, but I think that we're going to see something very similar to like a handheld Ronin with interchangeable lenses that'll take their, they have their own mount for that, uh, around the like 2500 to $4,000 mark. And, um, and this would be kind of like the creator's targeted, like the professional creators who are doing like they, they a lot of travel and stuff like that. Yeah. 
they're they, out there. They, they do it. Um, yeah. great they'd prediction. have to explain that. Yeah. Um, I, I would prefer they actually joined the L mount for that would make a lot more sense to keep the cost of your optics down. But uh, yeah, they that's did. my prediction. DJI is in the L mount Alliance. So they will. <gasps> what? You know that? You it's all that. that? No, oh, I didn't know that. No. Oh yeah. L mount Alliance. When I said they added five companies, I wasn't just saying that they literally added a bunch of companies like there's DJI, Sam Yang, uh, black magic. They're all in it now. So in stacks, <laughs> with an L mount that's Chris, bold Chris Gordon do you what do you think of Jordan's prediction well yeah it's easy to easy to agree with you mean like a full frame pocket three yeah exactly yes okay yeah no complaints all right uh my final prediction what about my final prediction oh sorry Chris your final prediction my bad uh so this is you know I would say it's indisputable that Gordon Lang is a pillar of the camera industry. Thank you. Few have been at last. Few have been doing it as long as he has. <laughs> so this is industry related. I think Gordon's going to finally launch his own brand of coffee beans. He's going to have his own line, his own Camera Labs coffee beans. That's coming out 2024. Mm-hmm. He's going to work with some local roasters in in uh, in Brighton, and he is going to come out with his own brand I because he's tired coffee. of having to go to everybody else's place to get good coffee. I will plug the ever-loving hell out of that if you go that route, <laughs> yes. Gordon. And I want free samples. That's what this is really about. Yeah. We're going to soft so launch it, it here on the pod. Yeah. Okay. Do, they, do, do they know something you don't, Gordon, that you, you're apparently launching a coffee brand? They know a lot that I don't, Jaron. Um, <laughs> and that's why I love them so much. I think it's not um, an unreasonable suggestion. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> Chris, your facial yes. expression there was great. Yes. Oh, man. All right. My final prediction is that Canon and Nikon will add content and authenticity to their cameras before the 2024 Olympics. Mm. You'll get it in a firmware update. I think it will be the, uh, I'm going to say it as an American, Z8 and Z9 will both get it. Uh, If Chris gets his mythical Z9X or Z9S, it will come with it stock. And then Canon will add it to the R5, the R3, and the R1. When the R1 does get (laughs) launched with its global sensors, it will have it in there as well. Not that bold. I feel like that's pretty much a gimme, but I felt like it was worth mentioning that content authenticity will get support from all the major brands by the think, first quarter of next year. Do you think anyone's going to charge for it out of those? No, I do not. I think it will be free. Hmm. No one's going to pull Sony. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It would make sense for the Olympics too. Plausible. All right. There all you right. go. Those are all our bold predictions. You can see all of the Petapixel staff's bold predictions uh, in the link in the description below. And then as mentioned, we also go over the previous year's bold predictions. Next year, we will revisit these and see how wrong or right we were. Gordon, if you'll come with us next year at the same time, same place. I think this I has to be to. a tradition. Yeah. Sip, sipping a back. cup of my own coffee. <laughs> That's right. We'll all yes. have Gordon Lang Camera Labs coffee. <laughs> Just uh, all right. bags of coffee behind you on the couch <laughs> yeah, exactly. to add to the, yeah. So that was our longest main story of the year. Uh, we will yes. d- get through as much, much of the next section as possible. And I, I want to call this, instead of what have you been up to, it will be what will you be up to? Oh. Because for the next three weeks, we'll be taking a break <laughs> as we uh, head into the Christmas and New Year season. So, uh, Chris, because you always put something on your desk, I'll let you go first because you can talk about what you have been up to as well as what That's you That's what will. I have been up to. 
What, I, what I've been up to is I've been sick for the last few days. So I'm amazed I've been coughing the whole time. Uh, I even put on threads what my voice sounded like three days Please ago. Please go listen. Please go yeah, listen. I was, I was not joking. That was not put on I thought voice. he was, was prank like, calling me when he called up. No. He yeah. sounds like a cartoon character. It's incredible. It was horrible. So it's finally come back. It's a little bit smoky. I'm not coughing too bad. But, you know, Jaron keeps showing his Gunpla. Everybody's talking about Gunpla. I'm not into Gundam personally. I, I'm more of a Robotech kind of guy. But, uh, you know, I bought this stuff for my kids in Japan. This is the what? Gat X102 Dueler? I don't know. Duel. Some teenager Pilot pilots it and saves the world. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, what I will say about this, I mean, first off, obviously, the Japanese are masters of die casting ABS plastic. And it is quite impressive when you put these together, how they've designed everything. But these things are so fragile, Jaron. Like, I hate it. Like, They're everything's models. falling off. Touching things, other things Don't fall off it. and break. Yeah, they're so delicate. You pose like even it pose- and you put it in a in a cabinet and you look at it and be like, man, that's cool. Exactly. You have to put it under glass because the wind will break this stuff. Well, it and will also make dust. it all fall apart. Oh, man. It, yeah. Anyways, uh, my kids never played with it. I thought, so it was half built. I thought it was done. I was going to show it. And then I go and open the box. I'm like, no, he hasn't bothered to put the assault trout on there. So I spent like two hours last night. Yeah. Putting all this stuff on. Come there. on, was that not fun? Yeah, I, I don't know. Never again. Anyways, but there you go. Now I feel like you know I've contributed to the gunplay conversation. We can be done with it. I just I'm like not going to contribute at all. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, well, uh, Jordan, what have will you been up to? Uh, I don't know. Um, I am determined. I'm making the statement right now in the will. I am going to see a movie in the theaters. Damn it! It is going to happen. Uh, between never this happen. podcast and the next time you see me and I will tell you what it was like to be in a movie theater I never do it it bums me out I used to go multiple times a week and all the good movies yeah. are rolling through right now and it's going to be a kids movie because your kids are going to be like take us to a movie for Christmas and it's going to be like yeah. the wish or something I like might that. go bring them to see the new Miyazaki I'm hearing great things I but I don't know if it's actually because it's a roll of the dice with his as to whether or not it's like <laughs> Is it appropriate you can bring a kid to that uh, the new Alexander <laughs> Payne just came out I'm like I would love I've never missed one of his movies in theaters so uh yeah uh updates to follow with strong opinions not wonka then i will not be partaking in the delicious delights of wonka no (laughs) gordon what are you gonna be doing how are you gonna spend your uh winter season well wearing more clothes i think uh warmer hats that sort of thing i have a i have a very festive jumper here i love this wearing at the beginning Did you get too warm? Yeah. Oh, I love it. I also have a ugly sweater, quote unquote. It's not really ugly because it's got Star Wars on it, but I have one that's R2-D2, so I fully appreciate that. But that's hot theme. I know. What is more festive than the Battle of Hot? No, this is a view out my window at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) With the ATAs out there? Yeah, that's a live view. (laughs) That's what's happening. No, you know, I'm loving... So not only do I love vintage cameras, I love vintage gaming. And uh, I recently unpacked my Vectrex games console from 1982, my original one. And I just still can't believe how good it is. So, And there's still a a homebrew community making making games for it, which are just brilliant. So I'll be spending some time with that. Um, in between family stuff and hopefully, uh, you know, like I say, surviving the cold. Right Sometime we need to get past and future guest Alex Mitchell on with you, Gordon, together would be yes. a powerful meeting of the minds, I think. We'll have to make It'll that just happen. just be video game talk for an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> I have no problem with that. Uh, yeah. I received two more Gunpla models from my sister-in-law to build. <laughs> so I will be building those two plus two more I currently have over the next couple of weeks. I'm also going to try and beat Baldur's Gate and then I'm going to start Cyberpunk. That's how I'm nice. going to spend my... Uh, 
my holiday season. So. Why, why do your gunpla have like all this stuff coming off the back, like like big wings well, for, and feathers? And- before we move on, I will explain because the duel is really lame. Of the Gundam that are from there, of the ones that are in the story, right. stolen this one sucks. by Earth, by the Earth Force. The Earth Forces have their their Gundam stolen by the Space Forces. This is the lamest one. All of the other ones right. have like a cool feature. This is just like is robot with few guns. It doesn't do anything else. He's, um, he's got he's got a like beam a beam protected shield. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And 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 multi phase armor and, and they all have that. It, and he's got a rail gun here. He does have a. Ga- I think it's a Gatling gun on his shoulder. But... No, it's a Shiva rail gun. I did research. Okay. I don't know if Gordon's the same yeah. as me. My brain just shut down shut about forty five yeah. seconds. And he's got just two hundred twenty millimeter rocket launchers here in the shoulder. Yeah, he's just and, he's just very much just a plain Gundam creature yeah is this the same gundam in in the in the 1980s oh yeah it's the same concept yeah i remember it from then yeah yeah 1979 1976 one of those was the first mobile suit gundam uh Mm. and then there's probably a vetrix game yeah i I do my best not to swear on the podcast i've been pretty good but from now on i'm just going to say gun damn it from now on anytime i need to uh use an expletive all right uh let's move on to the few tech support and comments that we can get to if we don't get to you this week we will get to you at the beginning of next year please do not flood my inbox with speak pipes (laughs) over the next three weeks and and bury us behind so many questions but i do want to say if you don't hear us in the next few episodes answer any of your tech support questions if they're related to asking about what camera and lens to buy it's because we can't answer those questions chris and jordan love answering them but they need more information. You can't say, should I buy this or this? And then end the end the question without giving them some context. They need to know what you're p- trying to use it for. Without that, they have nothing to go on and they can't give you good advice. So just want to throw that out there. We did get a few that were like just very open-ended and I don't think it mm. was fair to ask Chris and Jordan to, to pick for you without that information. We'll just keep saying uh, Nikon Z8 or Chris will say A7R5 to every question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if we, <laughs> Even if it's we not have what they for. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, should I get a Fujifilm or a Canon? I think you should get an A7R5. Yeah. Uh, give us context or that's what you get. Yeah. So <laughs> let's let's do a couple of these. Uh, first one is from their relevant. The relevant? The like irrelevant. The irrelevant? I okay. I love Te- it. Tech support question, my chums. I've got a lot, like dozens of hot pixels with my GFX 100S that are escaping pixel mapping. They are visible in Capture One, but seem to disappear when I export a TIFF into my ludicrous workflow that involves DxO and Luminar. I'm planning on having some prints made, and I'm worried about these seemingly fixed pixels popping up on paper. Mm. So my question is this. Have you guys had any experience or horror stories involving photo printing, and how worried should I be about the hot pixels i say the because I, it's like literally ze he didn't write the z hot pixels Z-hot i mean pixels. if it's not showing up in your tiff i think you're going to be okay i don't think it's going to pop up in your print as for horror stories involving photo printing i mean every session of photo printing is its own horror story so <laughs> there you go have you ever at home printed something and on the first try you're like yeah that's that's what i wanted no, that never no. Instax. Happened? Never happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just an Instax. Yeah. No, but going file print out of Photoshop or even through their own software. No, no it's like every it's time I like, had, print one out I, and then adjust it. Paste. It's every time. It doesn't matter if my monitor's calibrated. It, it doesn't matter. I'm always first printing time at I've least had twice. like prints come out where I'm like, oh, the color looks great. It's printing well, blah, blah, big print. Lots of weeks. And then right at the end, head scrape. Right at the end. Always freaking head scrape. So, uh, yeah, no, it's the worst. Um, 
the garage worker asks for the tech support section. I have a question. Which budget camera has the best wireless tethering support? He actually spelled that teethering, but I, I'm going to go with tethering. <laughs> I want to take photos and have them automatically transfer to my PC. No one tests this function in camera reviews. I mean, it's for a reason. Um, doesn't the don't most Canon DSLRs, even very early ones, support the uh, the EOS remote utility? And the EOS re- so here's the thing. I'm glad you brought that up. I used that at my wedding. People would come in and just hit the button on my iPad, and it worked flawlessly. And they did were you just, ask them to do that, or is that an abusive type thing? No, I, I, like if they wanted a photo booth, essentially is what it was. I set right. it up, and it my works really was there. well. It's it's um I I remember, and this was like a a really effective bit of PR that happened to me about what sixteen years ago, right? Where a Canon during a presentation, um, a Canon rep came on at the end after they would extolled the features of some of like a 400d like a rebel xti or something pretty old and they said oh and don't forget the you know the eos utility and i'd like oh i've never really looked at it and they demoed it and i was like that looks pretty good and then i tried it and i was like this is pretty good yeah. and it allows you to to do a lot of tethered uh, control and image transfer and stuff and and um, then i forgot about it oh, a few i haven't used it later. on any of their mirrorless cameras it worked great on my no. dslrs but like yeah. i haven't tried it recently i've i've used it on my pc with uh more with webcam stuff and it, oh, yeah, and it did it right fine now, for yeah. that yeah. it did fine for that so yeah, I, you know, again, it's it's one thing that we don't really review, f- frankly, because we don't have time. But also, yeah, there's so many different programs, and they've notoriously been bad. But uh, that's good. Uh, appreciate that, Gordon. Have that feedback. Yeah, I reckon if you're looking for the cheapest one, you could go for like a, an uh, if we're talking North American an XTI or an XSI or one Ooh, of that XTI, series, right. one of the early rebels. Uh, if you're listening in Europe or the rest of the world, you know, yeah. something like a 400D, 450, 500D, or the kiss. Those are all. Yeah, those are all available for about a hundred bucks or dollars. I know this because oh, I've go. actually just been researching them and um, get the earliest one that will support the uh, the EOS utility, which I think. But is an most R10 of them. could be a good option too if you want to buy new. Yeah, we haven't tested sure. it though. I have I have no idea how good the the more recent <laughs> ones are. The DSLRs, were, like I said, worked great. I can't see yeah. why they wouldn't. It's like the same general concept, but mm. but yeah, for the most part, they all are pretty bad. Um, but Canons have worked well. Uh, we'll do a couple more. Um, this one I wanted to do because he sent in a picture. Uh, David Ivanyuk, who I'm sure we've heard from before, that name sounds very familiar, says in an email, I have a 45 to 150 millimeter Panasonic lens and recently have noticed that it has an unusual amount of a hue shift in the portions of the video where there are lens flares. I don't know if this is a coding mistake or another problem. Thank you. Love the show. Now, if you can pull that up, you can look at it. I don't know if you guys had a chance, but I put it in our calendar so you can take a look at what that exactly looks like. Yep. Uh, any thoughts as to what's causing this? Yeah, I mean, we see this with a ton of consumer lenses where your flare pattern, uh, very similar to like Loca, where you'll get a magenta green split. You'll often see that in flare patterns um, with, again, more budget, you know, some older third-party lenses will exhibit this as well. Uh, that's exactly what it looks like here. Um, and uh, yeah. So this is Loca? It's not loca because it's it's specifically coming off the flare. I don't know what we'd call it. Just an odd flare pattern. What would you call this, Chris? Yeah, just, I mean, I, it doesn't really like ghosting, but uh, just getting a distinct color hue with the flare. Okay. So that's, <laughs> sorry. We, we unfortunately I mean, it, have it, no, it, no feedback. Yeah. You, you, I, I don't have a name it. for it. I have definitely Ooh. encountered this before on a yeah. lot of lenses. Yeah. Okay. But unfortunately, there's not much you can do about it. Okay. 
that's that's what I was I, I wanted to get to. Okay, uh, we have a bunch of speak speak pipes, but I'm going to hold them uh, just so that uh, for the sake of time, we're going to jump to never read the comments because this one is somewhat related to what Jordan said earlier. The stoner guy says, "What? No one watched Godzilla minus one." I want to. It's I, want to. I want to. I want to. Jordan, you that's, can go see that in theaters? That's probably not going to be a theater one for me, but I am really looking forward to checking it out. Because yeah. what was the the second most recent Godzilla um, that was almost like focused on the bureaucratic side of it? I forget the name yeah, of it. It was fantastic. Good. I really dug that. So I'm excited. Apparently, minus one is outrageously good i keep hearing that yeah it's like a horror yeah but with godzilla i that's i don't usually like horrors but i love gojira so i will 100 percent be all in on this um okay uh someone else wanted to tell you chris uh this is yes uh how do you think i say that liz lot pulver liz lot pulver I, yeah. actually what you like is not the real budweiser the real budweiser <laughs> comes from the czech city of budvar and it is an excellent beer that yep. Anheuser-Busch product is not allowed to be sold as Budweiser <laughs> in Europe, and therefore mm. it is not sold at all. I did not know this. Is this true? Nope. Yeah, yeah fair it's enough. True. I've, I mean, been, I've been to that town. Oh, have you? Good? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as I mentioned, Budweiser was a Pilsner. You know, it's like a classic Pilsner recipe, and it was brought over to the States. And uh, I'm sure it is a different beer. But there's no denying that Budweiser in North America is a cultural institution at this point. So, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I'm glad that there's a different variation in Europe, but, uh, we're, are we still open to sponsorship, Chris? Is that, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting for somebody lie. to email yeah. me. All right. Yeah. All right. I want to end the show with this one. This is a speak pipe. This is from Carrie West and I thought it was interesting. So we're going to give it a listen in. Let's listen in. Okay. Hey fellas, with the release of the Sigma 70 to 200 for E-mount, I got to thinking, why is it that third party lens manufacturers always make black lenses? I prefer they be black, but I know when I see a white first-party lens that it's the professional model. Does Sony have some sort of agreement that third-party lenses can't be white? It sounds dumb, but it would seem to me that the perception of their sports lenses would be higher if they match the color of Sony's high-end lenses. Thanks. I, I'll chime in here. I think it's exactly because of what you said. You prefer that they would be black, and I think the majority of people prefer that they would be black. And I think Sigma and Tamron... They have built their lenses with some sports photography in mind, but they know that's a hard market to really break into with the professionals in a lot of cases. But what they do know is people are going to buy their lenses like crazy for birding, for wildlife, that kind of stuff. And in that regard, a white lens would not really be a benefit. If anything, it might even be a detriment. So, it, yeah. Is it worth it's- mentioning why those lenses are white? Yes. Go, Gordon. You could mention why they used to be white. doesn't really matter anymore, I don't think, but... Why, Why did, did they, they used, to, used be to be white? Well, as I understood it, they used to be white to actually minimize the lens actually heating up, which yes. could damage the fluorite coatings and or the fluorite elements. Um, I, I don't, don't think, think it was damaging. I don't think it was necessarily yeah. damaging it. I it think it's like shipped. the same. Yeah, it's that you don't want heat inside an optical system, you know. And if your lens is and anything that's a super telephoto or long telephoto, which is typically a you know pro sports lens or pro wildlife lens is going to magnify any kind of optical aberrations that you've got. And it's the same with the reason you put a telescope out before you use it. You know, it has to acclimatize. You don't want it getting hot. You want it to be as cool as possible. So they, they put it, that's that's why those lenses, the big giant lenses, uh, which are designed to be used outdoors all day in potentially hot conditions, are white. Um, so I would say Sigma chose, is maybe choosing 
black ones because they're more focused towards more consumer rather than professional mm -hmm. use. Maybe, but Nikon I mean, obviously they have theirs white. Nikon's yeah, Nikon's I know. I know. I've Canon, never understood Canon that. Canon and Sony do. Yeah, I've never understood Nikon. why Nikon. I think Even Fuji I honestly film. think it's a cachet thing now. I think it's just a badge. Uh, I, I don't know that it actually has much physical benefit anymore like it used to. You know, I, I don't think because you'd count them. The, the Canon reps would always say, you know, look at the side of uh, you know a, a major tennis tour, you know, or any any kind of you know football or sports yeah. tournament. Count the white lenses along the edges, and how many black lenses are there? And I feel like there has to be some validity too, because you look at extreme telephoto broadcast lenses that are all like a hundred thousand dollars. It's all white boxes. I've never seen yeah. a black box or anything like that on one of those. So it does seem like there is some practical concern. I think the point is super valid that, you know, Sigma, Tamron, they're not making like a 402.8 or like once you clear that kind of $5,000 mark, the only one I actually misspoke last week uh, when I talked about the biggest Sigma uh, was the two to 500 2.8. That's what I was trying yeah. to remember. And that was, uh, and that was green. That was yeah. green. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah but That's I mean, Canon make their 70 to 200s white. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I know Nikon mean. even made one series. I think it was a 7200 and 8200. They made it like a gray that yeah. lasted for like half a season and it disappeared, right? Like, yeah, I mean, Tamron so you're saying could. that there, there, there may have been a reason to do it, but when Canon puts it on a seventy to two hundred, it's like, well, now they're just kind of doing it as kind of like the badge. Yeah, it's an L series badge. It's it's showing off, and and, uh, and that's great. That's valid. I just I think uh, most people probably don't want white lenses. But then they've also made the two hundred to eight. Is it two hundred to eight hundred? The new Canon telephoto. Yeah, I that's can't black. remember the yeah. range of it. No, no, it's white. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's white. Or is yeah. it? Have I gone mad? It's white. No, it is white. Yeah, you're right, Gordon. But it's not an L lens. Contrarian. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. We'll never get to that. We need to have an opt. This is the second time I've been like, we need an optical engineer on this show to answer some of these <laughs> questions. He could probably tell us what that flare pattern is actually called as well. Yeah, so exactly. It's uh, time. Well, that was actually a more scintillating discussion than I was expecting. I learned there something today. Uh, thank you very much. So that's going to do it. For 2023 on the Petapixel podcast, uh, that'll we'll, we'll rejoin you all. The no, we have to end January. a season on a cliffhanger, Jaron. How are we going to make this dramatic? Like, tune in next season <laughs> to find out blank. Like, if we'll find out if Gordon releases coffee beans. Yes, <laughs> that's the and, big one. That's the big and one. And that the manufacturers are going to start making red lenses and green lenses for fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is one of those examples where you throw something on me, Jordan, and I am terrible at improv, and I have no answer for you. I can't cliffhanger us without planning. Find uh, out what movie I saw next <laughs> yeah. season. 2024 lenses will be translucent. Light will come in from everywhere. They'll be garbage. Um, thanks to well, how about half-frame half half cameras where they could just cut those lenses in half? You know, you see the trade shows? Yes. You could attach them on. I'm only using half of it. That'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks to everyone for listening to uh, us banter for the last uh, hour and 25-ish minutes. We appreciate you sticking around. Thank you for listening to the podcast, getting us close to a million listens in the first quote-unquote yes, season of it. this. I appreciate it. Gordon, thank you for being here. It's great to see thank you. Thank you for having me. I haven't seen you in a while i'm really happy to see you i didn't i didn't mention that earlier but you know Gord, gordon and i are, are coffee friends every time we're together we mm. talk and drink a lot of coffee and then uh yeah thank you to om system for sponsoring the episode and the podcast we'll see more from them in the 2024 on the podcast uh chris is playing with his gundam uh so there you go thanks everyone really appreciate it we'll see you all next year bye